welcome to episode 304 of the Ask the Coach Show, where Ping Skills helps you improve your table tennis. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, I'm joined by Super Coach Alois Rosario. Welcome, Alois. Uh, thank you, Jeffrey, and uh, yes, welcome, listeners. Yep, we are back for our weekly podcast, full of uh, great jokes. Tips. I thought you were going to say garbage then, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, you know. Alois? Yes, Jeff. Did I tell you the joke about the pizza? Speaking of garbage, yeah, go on. Ah, oh, don't worry about it. It's too cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened, Alois. They laughed at me when I told them I was going to be a stand-up comedian. Well, huh, they're not laughing now. <laughs> See, you're almost... <laughs> That's almost funny, Jeff. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, Alois. Um, yes, Jeff. It, it's been a week since our last show. What what, what happened? Well, are we, what is it? what's happening in the week coming up or what's happening in the week that's just gone? I'm confused now. Oh, yeah, no, it's, this, it's, it's on this week, you know. We, it's pretty, uh, pretty flexible on this week. <laughs> well... Well, it, well, we did actually miss something last week, though, Jeff. Yeah? The last Tuesday was Chloe's birthday. So it was. Chloe, Chloe. the famous, the famous yes. pet. Yes. <laughs> yes, your dog, Chloe, and you missed it, Jeff. I know. How could I not tell the world about Chloe's, um, yeah, Chloe's second, second birthday? We've yeah, actually got right. two dogs, Alice, two cavoodles, Charlie and Chloe. And um, my son started up an Instagram page for them a while ago, but I think it's sort of um, short-lived. But maybe in the show notes, I'll put up their Instagram account so people can go check out Charlie and Chloe. Yeah, very, very cute dogs. <laughs> That's right. And, and, and they're probably not too damaged by the fact that uh, you forgot Chloe's birthday, but that's all right. Well, we didn't forget it. We celebrated it. We just didn't mention it on the show. Well, is that we're not that awful important? dog parents. Are we parents? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, well. On, on a on a more relevant note, perhaps um, yeah. today today Jeffrey is Marlin's birthday, the nineteenth of February. Yes, indeed. Yes. So Marlin, um, one of the most uh, decorated players in uh, in world table tennis, uh, one of Three gold medals at the Olympics, one in singles in 2008 in Beijing, um, won the doubles in 2004 in Athens, and also won the teams in 2008 in Beijing, um, and then has um, several world championship teams medals, gold medals, uh, six, of, uh, six of them, yep, and, uh, and also two mixed doubles and one doubles gold medals, and two World Cup singles um, gold medals as well. So, yeah, very, very um, uh, decorated table tennis player. But, you know, in recent times, it's probably become um, more famous just for that uh, video clip of him doing um, the backspin serve where the ball comes back to him uh, at the net and uh, has now been dubbed the Marlin serve. Yeah, the Marlin ghost serve, I've heard it referred to a lot as as well. Yeah, very famous yeah, video. Serve. That's right, the ghost serve because uh, the ball comes back to him uh, seemingly without anyone hitting it. Yeah, so, um, and, and if you want to learn it, guess what? We've got a video for you on it, so 
<laughs> head over to the Bing Skills website and check out, uh, I think it's in the Must Learn Serves uh, module of our serving, yeah, of our serving tutorial. So check it out there. Yeah, it is. And there's also uh, a fairly new one that we put on there just about the, the bat angle for the Marlin Ghost Serve too. So yeah. check them both. Yep, a lot of positive feedback about that one, Alois. I think it helped a lot of people out. All right, so yeah, what a career from uh, Marlin. Uh, <laughs> not Marlong, Marlin. Very impressive. Marlong's all right too. But yeah, yeah, not bad. <laughs> just not his birthday, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, speaking of tournaments, Alois, what is coming up? Yep, so we've got the uh, Team World Cup, the 2018 uh, ITTF Team World Cup. So, how so this, what, who's involved in the Team World Cup? So there's 12 men's and 12 women's uh, teams involved and uh, you qualify by winning your regional championship or then on uh, the best uh, countries from the last world championships as well. So um, in the men's, um, strong lineup with uh, China, uh, being the number one seed ahead of Japan and Germany. Um, so China fielding Fan Zendong, Lin Gao Yuan, Zhu Xin, Ma Long, Yuzi Yang, Yuzi Yang, sorry. Um, so, um, yeah, they'll, they'll do pretty well. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. So no, no Zhang Ke, you know, he's, he's finally um, been given the cut from the team. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, Fan Zendong, Ma Long, uh, Zhu Xin, you know, the, the three old stages. Lin Gao Yuan um, has uh, come to the fore in the last couple of years. And Yu Ziyang as well, one of the young um, up-and-coming players. Um, and Japan uh, with Koki Niwa, uh, Harimoto, uh, the young gun, uh, Yuya Oshima and Jin Ueda. So, um, so interestingly, though, the team's format for this um, – involves doubles heavily so they play the doubles match first wow um, yep and it's and it's just a set format so you know previously you could uh, be cagey and uh, you know put someone in the doubles and then um you know uh, change the singles positions but this is a set format where you nominate all the matches at the start so um your b and c players play in the doubles um and your uh, A player, so supposedly your number one singles player, just plays two singles and doesn't play in the doubles. So each player plays two matches overall. So, yeah, an interesting balanced approach. Um, but I do like the change in the format where um, you don't nominate the, the doubles halfway through the match, you know. So um, so I like this. You nominate it up front and... and uh, and then it's a little bit more of a test of the team rather than uh, the coach's tactics. Okay, so it's out of five matches. And then, yeah, two of the players play a singles and a doubles. And then the third player plays two singles. Yeah, well, probably the number one player plays the two singles, you'd yeah. think. But, but yeah, that, that, that's up to the coach to, uh, to manipulate as well. Interesting format. Yeah, that'll be great to see. Um... Yeah. So, uh, so the interesting thing there is that, you know, Japan does have... <clears throat> that strong uh, doubles combination. So, and and that match being first up, you know, will put some pressure on the other team. So, so the doubles becoming more important now at uh, at the world level. Um, 
In Germany, interestingly, no Timo Boll listed Ooh. in their team. So, um, so relying on Ovcharov, uh, Phyllis, uh, Bastian Steger, Franziska, and Benedict Duda. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's a big hole in their team without Boll. Yeah, especially um, with the form he's been in of late. Yeah, exactly. But uh, you know, the number one ranked player in the world, Ovcharov, in their team. So, if he wins two. Then, uh, then there are a chance against a lot of play, uh, teams. Yeah, so, for um, sure. Yeah, so other teams featured in the men's are Hong Kong, uh, Korea, uh, Republic, uh, Sweden, France, Brazil, England, the host country, Egypt, uh-huh. US, and Australia um, is the, uh, the 12th country in the men's. And in the women's, Interestingly, the number one seeds are Japan ahead of China. And this is uh, obviously just due to the slight uh, glitches with the uh, the new world rankings. Yeah, I mean, the Japanese team of Ishikawa, Mima Ito, Miu Hirano and Hina Hayata. Uh, China with Zhu Yuling, Wang Wenyu, Chen Xindong, Ding Ning and Liu Shi Wen. For me, they... They're the winners. Yeah, but, most uh, most people would think they would be the number one seeds if you just had to guess, wouldn't wouldn't you? Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, Japan number one seeds, China two, Hong Kong three, uh, Chinese Taipei four, and then we have Romania, Singapore, Brazil, Egypt, DPR, Korea, USA there again, um, Australia there again, and England, uh, the host nation. So. Uh, yeah, so it'll be an interesting, interesting event. Um, you know, a lot to do with the um, uh, the new format. It will be interesting to see, and uh, and also, uh, you know, let's let's see if uh, China uh, want to stamp their authority back again on uh, on the world um, after the uh, the changes in the world ranking system. Yeah. All right. So yeah, keep an eye out uh, on that, and I guess Alice will probably cover the results next week. Yeah, we will. So that starts on the 22nd and finishes on the 25th. So, uh, so yeah, by the time we do our next show, that will have been run and won. Excellent. All right. Well, let's move on now to the tip and drill, or as we call it, the trill of the week, Alois. What are we focusing on this week? What, what a good name. Um, the trill <laughs> of the week. Yeah, so we're focusing on the forgotten art of the short push. Well, it's not really forgotten. If you look at the best players in the world, they are fantastic at the short push. But I think it's just a forgotten art at club level uh, to a great degree or, you know, uh, that level um, where players are just, to me, trying to do too much with the banana flick and the flicking and trying to force force the pace too much um, with the flick. I think the short push has a really big place to um, in the game. And I think it's something that we need to just always keep focus on. Yeah, I agree. Because I think unless you play the banana flick really well, it doesn't always put you in a good position. Whereas an effective short push, which, you know, I probably think is an easier stroke as well, um, can really set you up for that next ball. So, yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of the short push, Alice. Yeah, the, the as you say, the, the, the problem is if you don't... Um, play that flick effectively it's basically just opening up the game for your opponent you know so um and it also gives you less time if they're predicting the flick 
um, and it's not that strong, then they have the opportunity to attack that ball at you. It, um, you've got to go from that um, close to the net position uh, to uh, to d- deep again because they're going to hit that next ball fast. Yeah, exactly. So I guess it's a balance. I mean, the, you see the top players use a banana flick so well. Um, they get that side spin curling in, and it's it's hard for your opponent to attack. So I mean, if you can play it well, and then it's great. But yeah, don't forget the short push. So, um, Alois, that's the that's really the tip of the week. What's the drill of the week then? Uh, uh, one of my favourites, the short pushing game, Jeff. Mm. So. Um, yeah, the short pushing game, there are, there are different levels and progressions to it. So first up, you play a game where you win a point um, if you can do a short push that just touches the net and goes over. Ah, so, so it's teaching you to kind of keep that ball low. Exactly, yep. What if um, I just push and, it into the net? Yeah, uh, you don't lose a point initially. Um, so at at level one of this uh, the short pushing game, you don't lose a point for uh, pushing the ball into the net. Okay. Um, then, as you, yeah, then as you progress, you can start to uh, add the ruling where you do lose a point for pushing it into the net. Or um, if you push the ball up too high, uh, the, your opponent gets one attack. So if they attack the ball, um, they've got to win the point with that attack. If, they, if you get that ball back, then you win the point. So um, it's, a, it's a good, really good game to just help you to learn how to short push effectively and keep your opponent away from uh, making the attack as well. Sounds really good. I like it. Yeah. So yeah, try. try it. Yeah, get out there this week. Try the short pushing game. I think you'll be surprised about how much fun it is and it'll definitely improve your short uh, short game. Yeah, we, um, we feature it in our 52-week training plan as well, Jeff. It's uh, one of the things that we, we focus on. Awesome. So, yeah, so if you're looking to improve, check out that whole series, the 52-week training program. Take you right through from um, consistency through a lot of other topics to ending up preparing for a tournament. So, yeah, it's really helpful. All right, Alois, it is time for the questions. Are you ready? Oh, yeah, sure am, Jeff. <laughs> Bring it on. All right, first up is a question from Aaron. And he says, so when doing the forehand topspin, what is the best way to control where the ball goes? He goes, I've heard three ways of doing that. Number one is changing the angle of the wrist um, to change this. But he's also heard some people that say that changing the wrist is actually not good and it affects the technique. And he's heard that the direction your torso is facing is the direction the ball will go, assuming you're using the proper technique. Um, So to change direction, change the way you're facing. And three is that if he contacts the ball earlier, it will go across court. And if he contacts it later, it will go down the line. So Aaron wants to know, um, of these, what is correct and what is the best way in regards to placing the ball? Yeah, so Aaron, um, number two that you mentioned there, changing the, the direction of your body or your feet um, is probably the least... Um, uh, beneficial way of changing direction. It's the easiest way um, because you, know, you can change your whole body position and then change the direction of the ball. But the, the big problem is that you need to think about that in the game context. If you're tr- trying to, firstly, um, move your body around too much and your feet around when you're close to the table and making the attacks, one, 
it's really difficult to get into position in time. But two, it also gives away too easily the direction that the ball's going to come to uh, for your opponent. So, you know, if you turn one way, then it's easy for your opponent to tell where that next ball is coming. Um, so out of the three possibilities, I think that's the least effective. The other two is the, the two ways that I would recommend. So one is changing the angle of your wrist. Now, if you have your hand in front of you, it's like opening and closing the gate with your with your with with the palm of your hand. So if you open the gate a little bit, then the ball's gonna go more down the line. If you close the gate, then the ball's gonna go um, cross court. And this can be really effective because it's giving very little information to your opponent as to where the ball's going. The one thing that, that you do need to make sure that you do is you maintain good arm technique when you're doing this. I see a lot of players uh, do this, but then their arm collapses across their body, um, and which leads to errors. So keep the same forehand topspin technique that we show you in the forehand topspin uh, uh, tutorial, but then just change the angle of your wrist, um, either opening or closing the gate, will change the direction of the ball. Yeah, and I um, guess I guess you're talking mainly about the forehand here. Yes. Yeah. This is this is basically about the forehand. That's right. Yeah. Um, um, so other... yeah. So so that where Aaron says you know it affects the technique. It's probably right if, if you if you do you know compromise your arm position. But if you keep that good technique, then this is this is an effective way to change where you're hitting the ball. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it changes the the direction really easily. Um, and the, the third way that um, that he mentioned was hitting the ball or the timing of uh, your, your contact. So hitting the ball earlier, a little bit earlier, does send the ball cross-court. Hitting the ball a little bit later sends the ball down the line because um, if you think about the racket position um, on contact for those two, when you hit the ball a bit earlier, your racket's already further through the stroke and pointing in the cross-court direction. If you hit the ball a little bit later, the racket is still facing down the line at the point of contact. So, um, yeah, so that is also an effective way. But you can do do both of those two things. Change the angle of your wrist and also uh, change the timing of your stroke. Yeah, so with the timing, I guess it makes sense because generally with the forehand, you're kind of twisting with your shoulders and your waist. So you are going in that sort of circular motion so if you do hit it later your bat's facing in a different spot um i find sometimes if i hit it a bit later i almost twist back a bit further so i've still got room for the backswing but i guess that gives away a little bit more information to the to the opponent um, yeah it can do it can do so yeah i mean if you can keep the the backswing as similar as possible then yeah you're giving less information to your opponent yeah now Alois, i'm sure i've done a video where i'm demonstrating this so i'll have a look if i can find it i'll put it in the show notes so just head over to ping skills and the the, the blog link has all the ask the coach episodes and look at this one and i'll put it in the show notes a link to a video where we talk about this if i can find it yes we, we definitely have jeff and i'll i'll search it up too excellent all right, great question, Aaron, and hopefully that clears up a few uh, few of your questions. Next up is a question from Andy, and he wants to know about uh, training with a relaxed focus. He says, 
how important is it to practice training a state of relaxed focus in table tennis and what do you consider the critical areas to pay attention to? For example, in tennis, we train tracking the ball, balance, solid contact, etc. What do you consider are the critical variables to train in table tennis? Yeah, so um, you mentioned there tracking the ball. That for me is um, is critical. So if you can start to uh, get that tracking happening, focusing on the ball, watching the ball all the way through, then um, to me that will uh, provide you with a, um, a really simple way of a relaxed focus. So the focus being on the ball um, rather than um, worrying about the score, worrying about um, what you're trying to do with the ball, um, all those sorts of things, and just allowing your body to um, operate naturally. So for me, that is that is number one, focusing um, on the tracking of the ball. Um, a couple of other simple things that we uh, use to help you with that is to develop your pre-point routines. So the pre-point routine just helps you to um, get yourself into the state where you are able to focus on the ball better during the rally as well. So um, work on the pre-point routine, work on the tracking of the ball, um, and you need to do this in a training situation as well as a match situation. Don't just think about doing this, uh, you know, or I'm playing on match today, I better start to think about tracking the ball. You need to practice that during your training like you would with any other skill that you're trying to develop yeah it makes sense so so all these techniques are kind of designed to keep you just focused on the important aspects of table tennis so where does this relaxed focus come in what do we mean by relaxed yeah so relaxed meaning that your body is is relaxed um which also leads to your eyes being relaxed um which then allows you to play your strokes um efficiently and effectively like you would in a training situation mm. so yeah often we get questions uh from players saying oh well um i do this really well in a in a training situation but i can't play well in matches this is um this has a lot to do with why uh, you're not able to play as well in a match situation because there isn't the relaxation in your body that allows you to play those strokes um, effectively and, you know, to link the strokes and to watch the ball and all those um, critical things as well. Yeah, so when you get a bit stressed and you're a bit tight and, you, and you, you're thinking about how you're going to win and what happens if you lose, um, then it all affects your performance. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Makes exactly. a lot of sense, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, just on a almost completely separate topic, Alois, um reminding when you said you know people say they can play well in training but can't play well in games just one other thing popped into my mind sometimes it's just because um in a game you don't really know where the ball's going whereas in training you might be doing some specific drills so uh, we talk about this in a lot of other areas on the site but yeah um bringing some randomness into your training is uh, another great uh way to improve that area of your game yeah perfectly that's right yes all right good one uh, great question andy um yeah so check out the sports psychology section of our site um for a you know a good starter on 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 how to deal with some of those issues and get yourself into the best frame of mind for playing your best table tennis 
Awesome. Next up is a question from Warwick. He says, in your teaching video, you use plastic discs to place on the table so that you can practice serving to different parts of the table. Where can I get those plastic discs from? They're not included in your store. Yes, that, that is true, Warwick. Um, actually, those discs, they're, they're actually wooden um, and really beautifully painted uh, painted wood that have come from one of our Ping Skillers van who really um, generously just made them for us and just um, sent them off. He showed us some pictures of them and I said, gee, they look nice. And next thing I knew, he had, uh, he had sent us a whole... Uh, whole load of them and then sent us another lot with different colors so um yeah so van has made those for us yes um, thank you thank you van they're they're brilliant we love them yeah exactly and um they are they are uh, wood that he cuts out and and paints them um but you could use anything um as a target you know um we we often use a4 sheets of paper and then just fold them up um, into into little targets. If you want to stand them up, you, you can do that by folding the pieces of paper. Um, you can just use little um, plastic uh, cones, um, all sorts of things, um, yeah. even broken. I yeah. think anything, couldn't you, Alice? I'm just sitting here at my desk and I have a collection of Rubik's Cubes. You could use those as targets. That would work well. Or um... That's about they are useful for yep. <laughs> or you know, you could use plastic cups, or yeah, like you said, bits of paper. It doesn't really matter, does it? Just as long as you've got something that you can aim for. That's right, exactly. So yeah, Rubik's cubes are actually really good because uh, they're a nice size. You can put those on the table, um, and um, yeah, there's lots and lots of ideas. Um, uh, uh, broken broken table tennis balls, you know, balls that have been uh, squashed. Um, can be a good target. Mm, they're or, quite or, small. Uh, that would be difficult, but, you know, good for accuracy. I remember Mr. Chow, our Chinese coach, used to put um, bolts on the table. He used to stand a bolt up um, on its on its head um, on the table as, as our targets. Wow. That very, yep. So there you go. Lots of ideas. Yeah, yeah. Great question, Warwick. And yeah, so yeah, get creative. Um, but yeah, just use something. Um, it really, really helps you focus on uh, your accuracy and helps you improve in that area. Yeah, unfortunately, Van has a business of his own where he actually makes things and probably hasn't got time to make targets for, for us full time. <laughs> exactly. So, uh... Yes, indeed. All right. Uh, next up is a question from Saar, who says... I've been playing uh, table tennis for, you know, four to five years now and I watch Olympic matches and club videos to see how strokes are played. I position myself correctly. I've watched all your videos and yet the backspin or chop troubles me. I cannot cannot confidently return a backspin ball. Um, so he's trying to topspin these backspin balls and it's maybe it's because lifting a ball is counterintuitive. I've tried bringing my arm straight up and I keep returning the ball into the net or lifting it so much it goes over the table. So he wants to know, Alice, how can you help him? Is there a specific point on the ball he should hit or a specific area on the table he should aim for? What tips can you give Saar to help him with this difficult stroke? I'm, I'm actually going to uh, go to you, Jeff, because I know uh, you, you've got an interesting story when you started. Yeah, yeah, I I found this one really difficult. It took me a long time to learn how to topspin these backspin balls. I just, yeah, I agree with Sarah. It's difficult because um, when it comes, yeah, you can can try and hit it 
too much up and it goes off the end and if you go too slowly it just goes into the net so it just took a long time um yeah. i think yeah, it's it was, not an easy skill is it no. It, no it's not an easy skill and i think it just takes you know getting that brushing action up the back of the ball um and mm-hmm. once you get the feel for it though um you can really start to improve in the area but yeah i i, I found yeah. that um it was getting that brushing motion up the back of the ball that really helped and getting a lot of top spin yourself. So, you know, uh-huh. I'd say work on hitting the back of the ball with a really fast brushing motion um, helped me. Yeah, I think I think that's really good advice. And um, one thing that we do sometimes is, is even just put um, uh, like a stick or something way above the net and... Um, and just try to get that ball up and over the stick and onto the table. And to do that, you'll start to develop that brushing um, action. So when I say above, I'm talking even like a metre above or, you know, one and a half metres above the net. Um, because to get that ball up and down over there, then you, you're forced to to um, to brush the ball with topspin. So um, give that a go. But, yeah, you're right Jeff what if you can just get the feel of that brushing contact on the back of the ball and just getting that plenty of safety over the net as well um, and understand that once you get that top spin uh, contact then you can do a whole lot more with the with the uh, top spin against the backspin ball so um, that's a that's a really good way to start yeah great advice yeah so um, don't try and hit it too fast and too low to start with try and get Lots of top spin and lots of height, and we do. I think we've got a video demonstrating this on the backhand, maybe alloys of going over yeah. a high thing. But the principles are the same, so maybe we can link to that video for Sar yeah. um, to show how yeah. how we yeah, can do watch this. The backhand one um, as well, because that will give you that'll show you uh, the principle, and then you can apply it to the forehand. Exactly. Yep. So, yes, uh, um, great question. Uh, don't give up. Um, yeah, keep working on it. Um, and as we said, yeah, focus on that brushing motion and plenty of safety and watch the videos that we're going to put in the show notes and then get back to us and let us know if that helps you out. Um, yeah, with practice, we'll get you there. Don't worry. Excellent. All right, Alois, that was a great question to wrap up the show. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Uh, Make sure you visit pingskills.com. Thanks for listening, and thank you, Alois. Thank you, Jeffrey, and and I hope you're going to go and give uh, Chloe a big treat because, you know, you did forget about poor Chloe last week. Did not forget her birthday. She already got her treats. We just didn't mention it on the show. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, listeners. See you shortly. Bye.